Good morning. Mm. Today's scripture is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 55. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child in her womb leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord has come to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked, upon, he has looked with favor upon the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud to the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm the lead pastor here at Zao MKE Church, and we are in the series Hark. These messages that came to prepare the way of Jesus. And as we are in this Advent season, the season of waiting, it is a season of preparation. It is a season of preparing to receive God with us. But also, as we track these different announcements from these angels, it's understanding how we prepare 
to receive God and how that makes all the difference. Today, we have perhaps the most famous angelic announcement of the birth of Jesus when Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, comes to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will name him Jesus. We hear those words um, most times if we, if we go to Christmas Eve services or um, if, we are, if we watch the Charlie Brown special. We hear these words incorporated into our story of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And, and we receive it with her with joy. She receives this message with joy, and, and the joy that she has unfolds actually across this reading through the conversation with Gabriel and then Elizabeth, and it culminates in this beautiful song, the Song of Mary, also known as the Magnificat. But this is not a direct journey for Mary, and we often, as we so often do with Christmas, we, we shortchange it by cutting right to the end right to the victory, right to the glory, right to Mary's joy, as though it were easy to come by. But she's actually making a lot of choices here. Joy is a complicated thing. And there are so many ways that she could have reacted. She could have reacted with fear, with sorrow, with despair, with shame. And we'll actually unpack all of those and why those things might have stirred up in her. I think she did perhaps react with all of those things and throughout it all, joy. So how is it that someone in her situation can come through with that level of complexity of her circumstance and her internal reaction and the emergence is this song of victory and joy and celebration Her story is really complicated. And and thank God that we have these examples of complicated story and life circumstance culminating in joy and victory. Because otherwise, how could we come by joy? You see, despite our uh, beautiful uh, rendition of Happy, I love the band. That's like one of the jazziest, most lovely, um, happy covers I've ever heard. There actually is a a significant and fundamental difference between happiness and joy, right? Happiness can be a component of joy, and we, we hope and trust that it is. Happiness lights up a room. Happiness is that momentary burst of celebration, of pleasure. Happiness is something that we celebrate, that we look for, that we seek after, but it's also something relatively external, Happiness is something that depends on environment, on circumstance, perhaps on relationships. Happiness is fleeting. It's lovely, but it fades. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Joy is something altogether different. And the joy that we are called to in this season, the joy that we're called to with Mary in receiving this news is different than happiness because happiness is simple. Joy is complex. And joy has the the weight, the gravity to it to, to accompany other things, to accompany sorrow or fear or despair. 
And in fact, actually, what we see in Mary this week is that she is transforming those things, her fear into joy, her shame and humiliation into joy, her despair and oppression into joy and victory. How? Joy is a choice and an orientation. Joy is an act of faith. So what are all of these choices that Mary is making that turn her complex field of emotions into one that's undergirded by a profound joy? First, she says, yes. Here I am, yes, let's go. And then she says, I'm not alone. And she seeks out those who are called to journey with her. And finally, she says, I believe. I believe in the goodness of God. But let's start with fear, as we must every time we encounter an angel in Scripture. Because every time, first words, do not be afraid. You're getting very familiar with this. And so we've talked before about how angels might be scary looking. We've talked before about how it might be really disorienting to have the wild um, divinity inbreaking into a moment in your day-in, day-out life. But Mary has some additional reasons to be afraid. Mary is not a priest with power. Mary is not surrounded by her fellow shepherds. Mary is a young, unwed woman with no social status, in occupied territory, just trying to make it by. And with this auspicious announcement comes a lot of terrifying pressure. And in fact, the angel isn't coming to say, hey, I've, I've made your life so much easier. The angel is coming and saying, hey, I am telling you something that's going to make your life incredibly complex and difficult. I'm telling you a miracle that no one's going to believe. I'm telling you that your life is about to change in many, many different ways, some of them for the worse. We hear in the text and, and in other gospels that Mary might face some very real public disgrace. In Matthew, we get this account that her fiancé is like a good dude, and so he's going to divorce her quietly. But that's like the best outcome. It's like, yeah, oh, thank God that Joseph is not, not a jerk. And so one of the things on the table is that Mary could be very publicly disgraced. We know in her context, it was not acceptable for young women to become pregnant outside of marriage. And not only was it not acceptable, and they would, they would receive a lot of um, social consequences for that, but it meant that Mary's future was no longer secure. She was going to be married to this man, to Joseph. She had a path laid out for her. She knew what to expect. And now with this announcement, all of that could go out the window. Theoretically, he should leave her. And then she will give birth alone. She will probably not be able to remarry. And what do we hear in, throughout the scriptures as the most vulnerable? The widow, the orphan, the foreigner. 
She's now in one of the categories that needs to keep being named because it's so often forgotten. The woman who has no economic support. So this is a terrifying announcement. And the angel's message to her, do not be afraid, is much more than this momentary, hey, calm down. It's something that she'll need to carry with her for the rest of her life. Do not be afraid. This is terrifying. So what does Mary do? Does she cower? Does she say no? Does she say, I can't? I can't possibly? You've got to be kidding me? She does have some wonder. How can this be so? But it's different than Zechariah, who we talked about a couple weeks ago. When he receives an angelic announcement about his own uh, child, he says, how will I know? He's asking for proof. She says, how can this be so? I'm a virgin. She's, she's in it. <laughs> she's believing. She just doesn't understand how or how it's going to work. And I think that there's another layer here. There's another layer about culture and shame and expectation because she's saying, how can it be so? And we assume, how can it be so I'm a virgin? And we assume it's, how can it be so that, you know, I'm, I've become pregnant? But the angel has also just told her that she has found favor with God. How can it be so? For I am a virgin. I'm a young girl, she says. How can this be so? God has come to her with something incredible, something terrifying. And so when the angel says to her, it will be. Because nothing is impossible with God. And he describes other miraculous works that God has done in her own family that she is just now finding out about. And she says, okay, here I am. Let it be as you have said. And in that moment, Mary does something miraculous. She chooses joy and anticipation. She says yes to this ridiculous thing. She says yes. And there's a kind of, uh, there's a kind of improv act happening here. Anybody familiar with the rules, the basic rules of improv? Yes and, all right, you're with me. Mary is yes anding, and yes anding in improv is about entering into something with other people saying, I have no idea where this is going to go. And they offer you something, and the rule is that you can't, you can't cut it off. You can't cut off that storyline, that possibility, the world that they're creating around you. That to be an active participant in improv, you have to say yes. But you can't just say, yes, I assent to the world you're building around me. You say, yes, and here's my piece. And I'll build it with you. And I see where this is going. And I'll toss you back the ball and see where you can run with it again. Mary is yes-anding Gabriel, the messenger of God. He's coming to her saying, hey, I've done something wild and crazy and miraculous and beautiful. God has done this, and I am here to tell you about it. And she's like, you know what? Yes-and. Let's go for it. I'm in. Here I am. Where are we headed? 
And in this brilliant and beautiful way, Mary transforms her terror, her fear, into joy, into expectation. Has anyone ever told you that if you're nervous about something, you should say out loud, I'm so excited? It may sound strange, but it actually works. And I highly recommend that you try it. Because that feeling in the body, that feeling of adrenaline rising, that feeling of panic, given the right circumstances and the right support, can be channeled into that feeling of adrenaline, that feeling of bubbling up, that feeling of hopeful anticipation. Something's coming. We can do this. I've got this. Yes, and. And so Mary takes that fear and turns it into joy. So what happens next? Well, Gabe has told her that Elizabeth is also pregnant. And the text calls Elizabeth her cousin, but it's cousin in the way of like, that's my cousin. Like, like the, text, the text actually says relative, excuse me, we call Elizabeth cousin. Um, so so this, is, this person is family, and we don't know. They, they might not even be blood-related, but they're family to one another. And so she's going to visit Elizabeth. And this is a risky thing to do in a lot of ways because Mary, you know, so Elizabeth um, is also experiencing a miraculous birth. We got a couple weeks ago, we got this announcement from Gabriel to Zechariah, Elizabeth's spouse, um, that Elizabeth in her old age was going to become pregnant. And, and the, the person that she gives birth to becomes John the Baptist. It's super cool. There's like this whole family situation happening. But their situation is different. Zechariah and Elizabeth are an older couple. They have no kids. Um, Elizabeth is past childbearing age, and, and they are called blameless and righteous. They're like known as like super good people. And so when there is this miracle that happens and Elizabeth becomes pregnant, there's no question that she has been favored by God that she must have been really rocking it, that God intervened so obviously in her life because the only way she could become pregnant is by a miracle. And she is known to be blameless and righteous. So Elizabeth is like on top. Are there many ways for a teenage person unwed to get pregnant? Yeah, yeah, like there's a, you know, there's some ways. Not all of them necessarily miraculous. <laughs> so even though Mary knows that her pregnancy is a miracle, no one else around her has any reason to believe that. Least of all, her relative, Elizabeth, her cousin, who is righteous and blameless, has been serving the temple, comes from a line of priests. So like Mary is in a different situation than Elizabeth. And Mary could look around and say, she's not going to understand. No one's going to understand because I'm guessing that Mary is already experiencing other people around her being like, yeah, miraculous, huh? So Mary is experiencing shame and rejection in her community. And here's her cousin. And she has to make a choice. Does Mary hide, flee from her cousin? Or does Mary go and say, hey, me, me too, I'm in this with you. 
And actually, like, it's a wild roller coaster, and I don't know what's about to happen. But an angel of the Lord said your name, so I'm going. So she goes. She declares, I am not alone. She puts trust in the fact that God brings us to one another. She puts trust in the fact that that God told her through Gabriel that Elizabeth caught the Holy Spirit too. And so she knows this faithful cousin of mine who loves me and who loves God will be with me, will not reject me. And so Mary takes this situation where she could be filled with shame, isolated, socially outcast, She declares, I am not alone. And she leaves whatever situation she's in that may be full of people rejecting her. And she finds the one that God has called to go on this journey with her. And as she enters the door of Elizabeth's home, they haven't exchanged words. They don't know what's going on. Elizabeth is overcome. I am so blessed by your visit How blessed am I that you're visiting me, the mother of my Lord? Because Elizabeth knows, can feel, can sense that this is a holy moment. And not just Elizabeth, but John, in her womb, leaps for joy at encountering Mary with Jesus. Elizabeth is with her in this. And so is John. And so is Jesus. Mary is not alone. And she takes all of those feelings, all of those feelings of isolation and shame and rejection that surely she is encountering in the world around her. And she transforms them by saying, I am not alone and I will find those people that God has called to be with me. And they will know and they will praise God and we will hold one another and we will have joy. God does this weird thing, calling people in these like clusters and clumps. You can look throughout history and see like scientists all working on the same powerful work across the world, but somehow in contact with each other. Artists and poets clustering together in in local cafes and bars. These these people who are going to have huge impact across the world, somehow miraculously finding one another and then impacting everything. I see the same thing with adolescent queers. How many queer folks have looked back as all of the people (laughs) start to kind of come out of the closet and be like, we did find each other. How did that happen? (laughs) That's how God does. God calls us with. God never calls us to do this alone. So God had sent folks to journey with Mary. God wasn't asking Mary to do this by herself. And so she takes that that shame, that rejection, because the whole culture is is pointed toward saying, no, you're on your own. You're not doing this by the rules. You're not doing this correctly. Get out of here. And instead of succumbing to that, she says, no, I am not alone. And she finds the people who are with her. She sees some of what God has in store. Mary and Elizabeth can't even anticipate what's going to go on between John, who becomes John the Baptist, preparing the way for the Lord, and Jesus, who enters that room with Mary. But the four of them are going to impact all of Israel, all of history, all of humanity. And they don't know how that's going to play out, but now they know that they can do it together. 
And so finally, we get to Mary's song. This beautiful, beautiful culmination of her joy and confidence. But before we just celebrate with this song, we have to again ask what God is calling Mary to do. So we know that Joseph might leave. We know that he doesn't, but she may not know that yet. She knows that her kid's going to be different. Prophets and powerful religious leaders in her world have complicated lives. And they don't have the the life that Mary was probably preparing herself for. Prophets and messiahs, it's a hard path. And we know how that played out. And there's a perennial question we ask this time of year. Mary, did you know? (laughs) So, since there is a thought experiment going out there that that whole song is mansplaining uh, to Mary, the birth of of her child, let's say that Mary did know. Let's wonder what it would have been like. We have this excerpt from Gabriel who is casting quite a picture Your son's kingdom will never come to an end. He will give himself to the throne of David. He will be called son of God. So Mary knew some stuff. So does she know what that's going to entail? Did Gabriel tell her that the Romans would come after him? Did he tell her that Jesus would be rejected by his own people? Did Gabriel tell Mary that she would have to watch him be beaten and tortured to death? Gustavo Gutierrez said, this is the beginning of a story of pain and humiliation that will lead to her son being condemned to death as a common criminal. So does she know? Perhaps. But she also knows so much more. She knows that her God is the God of the lowly, the God of the powerless. She knows that God turns history on its head, along with social order and class. And so she sings a song of victory. It's actually modeled on another victorious woman's song. Hannah sings in 1 Samuel at the at the announcement, it's very similar. Hannah has a very similar situation actually to Elizabeth, an older woman who hadn't had children, who receives miraculous news that she will become pregnant and give birth to Samuel, who will be a prophet. And Hannah's song is one of pure victory. She experienced not having children as humiliation. Again, culturally, makes sense. So she felt humiliated, and because she became pregnant, she felt vindicated. There are a whole lot of other layers of the story and family dynamics in that story as well. Check it out, 1 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. But Hannah has this pure moment of victory. God has vindicated me. God has looked on God's lowly servant and blessed me and called me blessed. And so Hannah has this pure victory moment. Mary, as we've discussed, may be having a little bit more complicated of a moment. 
that not everyone in Mary's circle is going to call her blessed. That actually she's going to be humiliated and, and subjected to ridicule and pain and rejection because of this news. And Mary knows that. But Mary also knows that, a God, that her God is a God who liberates. And her God is the God who raises up. And her God is the God of the great reversal where first become last and last become first. And so in her cultural humiliation, she sees not what the world sees, but she sees victory and the victory of God. And in fact, she sees a beginning, a way that all the things that are wrong are going to be righted, a way that everything that the world thinks is true is going to be upended for the better. And she gets wild with it. She says, you know, fill the hungry up with good things and send the rich away empty. My God will do this. My God has done this. Mary plays with tense here in some powerful and beautiful ways. She's talking about things to come. She's singing prophecy, but she says it as though it has already come to pass. My God has done this. My God has called me blessed. My God has cast the high from their thrones and raised up the lowly. Mary transforms what could be despair, what could be all of this pressing in on her, the oppression of her context and culture, all of the threat of her moment. She transforms all of that into pure joy by saying, I believe. I believe in the goodness of God. I will declare it. I believe in the power of the God who turns all things on their head. I believe that my humiliation is actually my glory because it is God's glory. That God is doing something incredible through me and that everyone will call me blessed. And you know what? She was right. There are statues and, and beautiful works of art dedicated to this young girl who said, yes, yes, and I am not alone. I believe I take joy in this call. I have no idea where it's going. Or maybe I do when it looks terrible. Either way, I'm here for it. And it's beautiful. And I trust. And that, all of that is what I hear every time I hear high schoolers chanting in the streets, we believe that we will win. We believe that God's kingdom is coming. We believe that God's kingdom is unlike any other kingdom or rule on this earth. We believe that God turns all things on their head. And so when we experience our fear, our sorrow, our shame, our despair, we know that those things don't simply rest. We know that those things mix and transform and that through our faith, they also become joy. Joy in expectation Joy in anticipation of what is to come. Joyful advent, saying our God is a God who comes to us. And we believe, and we believe in that God, and we believe that we will win. That God has won in and through us. So what needs to be transformed in your spirit today? To tap into that joy that God offers you. Is it fear? Is it fear that requires a yes and, a leap, a risk? Is it shame or isolation that threatens to tear you from the people God has called into your life 
that requires the declaration, I am not alone? Or is it pain? Is it pain and oppression and fatigue that requires the bold proclamation that God is good, that you believe? We have this beautiful piece of permission later in scripture that I go back to a lot where someone says, I believe, help my unbelief. So even when we say we believe, we don't have to have that unwaveringly. We can say, I believe, I don't believe, but I believe. I believe, help me because I can't. I believe. And I think this is what Mary is doing when she's singing her gorgeous song. She says, this is terrifying. I feel alone. I feel scared. I feel unable to do this. I don't want to watch my son die. God is victorious, and I believe that, and God raises up the lowly. I have been lowly, but I am called blessed. God is coming. God is with us, and God's goodness will reign forever. I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. And that is where we find joy. Will you pray with me? God of miracles, God of power, God of the lowly, lift up those parts of us that need to be drawn up and cast down those false idols within and without us God, help us to find joy. We know that your perfect love drives out fear, that it does so through closeness and relationship, and that it does so for the glory of your goodness, which brings justice and joy to all. God, help us find joy in the midst of everything. Amen.